Welcome to the Mystic Access Podcast, where the magic is in learning. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the September 5th, 2023 episode of the Mystic Access Podcast. She's Kim. He's Chris. And we have things to update you on and just kind of discuss. And let's start out with the update. So in the last podcast episode, I demonstrated the AB Commander from WinAbility. And I had mentioned one of the suggestions to them was to make the panels numbered. So when you're in panel one, it's going to say panel one. When you're in panel two, it's going to say panel two. So you know exactly where you are when you're reading your title bar. So it might say the location to documents and then panel one. And I thought, well, that would be kind of cool if they would actually implement that. Well, the good news is they have. So it's a configurable option that you go into options your preferences, and then you go to appearance, and then you tab through, and there are the two options, show active folder and title bar that I would turn on, and show active panel and title bar. So they've actually made that happen, which is very, very cool. So I just wanted to update people on that little option that the company has put in. So that's great. Yeah, it's one of those things that means that your user feedback is sometimes taken into account and things are done. So that's pretty cool. Sometimes you'll find a company who is very receptive to feedback and they will make changes or at least get feedback from lots of people about making changes and then maybe they'll get made at some point. But that's very cool that this is now a thing. One of the cool things is they actually listened to the last podcast episode. They did. They really liked it too. So that was kind of fun. The other thing I wanted to update you guys on is that the app that Kim had talked about last week, they had a humongous, humongous sale. And I got 500 and some odd dollars worth of courses for 75 bucks or 72 bucks or something like that. So that was quite crazy. So now I just have to go watch them or read them or listen to them, however they come. Yeah, and they're usually multimedia courses. I found a bunch I want to get. So I've added them to my wish list. And then what I can do is, as I buy them, you know, I can take the ones that I bought off my wish list. I was having an issue where I couldn't get into my account because I hadn't been in my Udemy account for a very long time. Because it wasn't accessible as it is now. And finally managed to get back into my account after trying a password that I swear I had tried three or four times already. And eventually got into my account. Now I'm back in. And... It's just very fun. If you want a sale, you're listening to this and you're thinking, this Udemy app sounds really, really cool. And I totally want to take advantage of sales. This one will probably be over by the time you hear it. Because to my knowledge, it's going to go on for another week. And this podcast hasn't come out by the end of the week that the sale is going to end. But if you stay tuned to the app, you'll get notifications. You'll get push notifications. You can at least set them up if you want them. They send email notifications as well. So little newsletter things. And let you know about new courses. And there are sales all the time. There certainly used to be. And now I'm happy to see that they are still continuing with lots of sales. So every few months you should definitely get a really nice sale. And you can learn all kinds of stuff. From business development to cooking to writing to all kinds of computer programs. All sorts of stuff. So the sky is pretty much the limit. You would type something in and see what you can find. And... 
different languages. There's all sorts of stuff available. If you install the app, you'll be able to check out what's available and maybe add things to your wish list. And then when a sale comes along and there's a course you want, you can do what I have been doing and just taking them off your wish list and purchasing them. So now that we updated you on the episode from last episode, we're going to talk about our vacation. I know that we hinted that we're going to talk about it. And now is the time because vacation is over. We are back to work and vacation was wonderful. So let's first start with just a recap. If you didn't listen to the last couple of episodes, when we were looking for things to do on our vacation, we decided to stay locally in our area. And Kim had done a little bit of letting your fingers do the walking type of deal. And she reached out to three places. We want to do four things, and we're going to get to that in a second. So we wanted to do a tour of the Buffalo Naval Park. We wanted to do a tour of the Buffalo History Museum. And we wanted to do a tour of the Buffalo Museum of Science. So those are the three things that she reached out to. And in the matter of a week, we had tickets purchased, times booked, and all that good stuff. Well, let's go back just a second, though, because while we got them booked, there was a while where we felt a little discouraged. Like, are we actually going to hear back? Because we would hear back like, oh, hey, I've passed you on to so-and-so. Because sometimes you don't know who to write to about these things. And it's one reason I like to send emails, (laughs) because you can just be forwarded up the chain. In one case, I emailed someone who I knew was the CEO, and that actually ended up working. I wasn't sure it was going to work, but I emailed her, and she was also listed under the admin section of staff. So she passed it on to somebody who then passed it on to somebody. And it actually worked out beautifully, but we'll get back to that. So it actually did take a while. I think it was a couple weeks, actually, from the time I began sending emails to the time when we had things booked. In fact, right before vacation started, we pretty much lined everything up. I think it was, what, like a day or so before our vacation started when we got everything lined up? Yes, yeah. So it was a little like, oh, are we going to get this done? So in one instance, we were sent from someone. I'm not exactly sure what her role was, but she sent us to the educational director of one of the places. This was the Naval Park, who then kind of was talking, I suppose, to some docents at the park and found one who volunteered to help us out. In another instance, we were sent from somewhere again, somewhere in administration or hospitality or something, directly up to the curator, like the educational, I forgot what his actual title is, but anyway, he is their education director, I believe, and he also does the exhibits, and he also, in his case, and we'll get back to this, does their podcast, so that's for the History Museum, and then in the case of the final place, that was what I was talking to you about, about being moved from, I wrote the CEO or the president, She forwarded me to someone else who then got in touch with me and said, I'm sending you to someone else. And then she got us people to take us around to exhibits, staff members. So it all depends on where you're going and what you're doing, but it definitely pays, as we discovered in these instances, to get in touch way ahead of time so that they have time to figure out how they're going to work with you and how things are going to come together. So we finally got it done. We were very excited. We had three things planned. Out of our four, we were a little disappointed about that fourth thing, but we had three planned and we were cool with that. We're going to get back to that fourth thing. 
We sure are. The first thing that we did is we went to the Buffalo Naval Park, and this is the largest inland naval inland park, naval park in, the in, in the U.S. Yes, and it had three vessels. We shall say yes, that, that you could tour. That you could tour. One was the Croker. The Croker was my favorite. I gotta say the Croker, and then there was the Sullivans. Yes, the USS the Sullivans. And then there was, do you remember what the little rock? Thank you. That one. So we weren't able to tour the entire Sullivan's because over the winter time, they had water damage on the lower decks and they were going to fix those up, make sure that they're good for tourists to travel on. And then that would open up fully, but we were able to go on to the deck of the Sullivan's. Well, let's go back to the croaker. So the croaker Any of you is... you who know anything about naval stuff, you want to hazard a guess as to what the croaker is? Anyone, anyone, anyone? We learned something important about these type of vessels, didn't we? Yes. They're small. They're cramped. And you have to do a lot of maneuvering your body around in order to travel throughout the croaker. Now, the croaker is a sub. It is a sub. And all subs are named after fish. At least in the Navy, I suppose. Yes, and they had a flag that was a croaker. Yep. So the first thing you have to learn when going on a submarine is how to twist your body like a pretzel so that you can get through the hatches. And there were six of them. (laughs) There were quite a few, yes. Almost positive there were six. Yeah, you're probably right. So what you had to do really was take your left hand, put your left hand in first, Grab the bars. If you can find the bar, most of the hatches had bars. Or you could grab the inner lip of the hatch. Yep. That's what I did for at least once. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Then you put your left leg in. Then you turn and swing your body as you're going through the hatch. You can't stand up. You're basically pulling yourself through with that one arm. You you don't want to do this in skirts, ladies. No, you don't. Because you're in kind of weird positions. (laughs) You are. You do not look elegant and graceful doing this. No, but it was fun. It was very fun. Once I racked my head on the portal (laughs) once, or the hatch, the opening once, I learned not to do it again because it kind of hurt. Now, I have to say something and stop you here for a moment to say something about our docent who took us around. He's a guy of a certain age. I won't say how old, but he's a guy of a certain age. He's former Navy. And he's been a docent at this park for 10 years. What do you say? Almost? Is it almost his 10th year? I believe so. If not, it's very, very close. close. Yeah, it's real close if it's not. So he's been doing this a long time. So he had lots of just fabulous stories. And he was hilarious. So, you know, here we are, significantly younger than him. And he's like all over the ship, man. Like he knows exactly what he's doing. (laughs) We're, We're just the tourists. There was a group of tourists who came past us while we were in the croaker. And he said to them, you guys are actually touring the thing backwards. <laughs> he said, you're supposed to start at the bow, you know, the pointy end. And I'm sitting there trying really hard not to crack up because he was so funny. And they didn't, of course, know what he was talking about, but it was very, very funny. So it pays to have someone, and we were very fortunate to have someone who is, you know, very funny and very interesting in his own right. And then can just have this encyclopedic knowledge of all the stuff we're doing. Anyway, back to you talking about the sub. Yeah. So you go through these hatches. And you got to see where the sailor slept. 
And this was a sub that was 300 feet long, not very wide. And I think he said it had a capacity of about 70 some odd sailors, everybody. And what they used to do was they would, when they were sleeping, so let's say that Sailor A was sleeping and Sailor B would come up to Sailor A and say, wake up, now it's my turn. And then Sailor A's bed now became Sailor B's bed. Yep, they would be on watches and stuff and then they would rotate. Yes. So different people would have the same bed. And depending on the class that you are or how high ranking you are, I should say, will depend on where you sleep. <laughs> and so it there's depends, various right. labs of luxury for different people. Yes. And this was a battery-powered sub, and it was really interesting to go through the different areas of the sub, and we got lots of hands-on. We got to touch pretty much anything on the sub. Torpedoes, anything, furniture, Furniture, torpedoes, live, well, they were live torpedoes. We got to see how (laughs) they loaded them. You know, he was talking about how they loaded it. These torpedoes are long. They're huge. They're huge. They're much, much bigger than I had even imagined. Them I forget how many rounds, like 60 rounds a minute or something for some of these. Yeah. It was crazy. Yeah. Yeah, it was crazy. So that was amazing. That was tons of fun. And it was really kind of funny because I was wearing a Superman shirt because that's just what I do. I go out in public with my wife with a Superman shirt on. <laughs> and the funny thing about that was that I was just going through minding my own business. And there was a couple of tourists. I think they were also going the other way. So they were, they, coming, were. they were coming towards us instead of going away from us. <laughs> and she goes, that's a cool shirt. She goes, Superman is on the sub. <laughs> I thought that was kind of funny. Yeah, it was funny. Everybody was really nice. We were all just having fun, going on our tours. And what we didn't say about this, at least not in this episode, we may have mentioned it in the other episode when we were talking, was that this is supposed to be a self-guided tour. And that was our problem. Right. You know, how are we going to do this? How are we going to make this happen? So that's why we contacted them in the first place to be like, okay, what are we going to do? And our docent had done at least one other of these in the time he had been a docent. He did a couple college kids. And I think that may have been his only other one. There may be one other one besides that. But in general, you know, you don't do this very often in terms of bringing people with visual impairments through these ships. So he asked us a lot of good questions in advance so that he kind of knew more about us and, you know, what we needed and all that. What he was dealing with. Right. Right. So we get there. We meet up with him. And and we actually also met the educational director, who was the guy who sent us to him, you know, who said, okay, he's going to be your docent. But we met the educational director who took us upstairs first and showed us like a trailer and, you know, a couple clips from documentaries and stuff. It was very cool. Very, very cool. One of which will be coming on PBS later, hopefully in November, they said. So I'll let y'all know if I find out when it's coming on nationally, because it'll be very cool. And then what had happened was, let's go back 24 hours. Okay. So one thing I like to do with GPS systems, Stellar Trek, Victor Reader Trek, Sendero, Braille Note, is this virtual explore mode, right? Where you can place yourself at a location and you can look around virtually, find out what's around, what streets are near you. So Sunday afternoon... I said to Kim, I says, let's check out what kind of restaurants are around so that we can go for lunch. Maybe we'll, we'll talk go more f- about that in a second because that actually worked itself out. But we'll right. get to that. So what I did was 
I placed myself virtually at the address of the Naval Park. Then I did a point of interest search. What's around me? Okay. Remember that fourth thing that we had talked about that wanted to go do this boat ride thing? This boat ride was 400 feet from the Naval Park. There were two. There were two different companies that we had been looking at, and this was one of them. And they were, I mean, literally, it turned out across the bridge. Right. Literally across the bridge. And we couldn't believe it. And I thought, are they actually still going to have room on the boat for us if we're booking a boat ride for the next day? I thought, what the hell? I'm going to try it, right? And see what happens. (laughs) So we went on and I went on the site and booked the tickets. That's the beautiful thing. Three out of these four things, I was able to go online and book tickets. So went online, booked the tickets and was able to get the, let's see, we were supposed to be there at 11. So I got the 2.30 tour. Boat ride. Yeah. Boat ride. And what I didn't tell Chris at the time and what he wondered about later was there's a little comments field. And we'll get back to this. There's a little comments field in the thing. Says, any comments or requests? I said, yeah, just mentioning that we're both totally blind. It's my husband and I. And we might need a little extra assistance boarding and disembarking from the boat. We can't wait to come and tour with you guys. And that was my little note and paid for the tickets. And that was that. So we had tickets for the next day. Our meeting with our docent was at 11, and we were going to go on the boat ride at 2.30. Well, what are we going to do? Right. You had to be there at 2. You had to be there at 2. So what are we going to do between the time that we tour these three ships, which we did. We did the Croker, the Sullivans, and the Little Rock. We toured all three ships. And is that really going to take us from 11 to 2? No. As it turns out, it didn't. They were nice enough at the Naval Park. To our docent actually knows everybody. I mean, you know, they all kind of know each other. And went downstairs. And while we were downstairs, he made a reservation for us for 1 o'clock in the adjoining restaurant. So we were able to come back and go straight to the restaurant after touring the ships and have lunch. Yeah, so we did the ships. And the ships were cool, too. We got to see the different gunners. We got to see how they would sit. We got to see anti-aircraft gunnery. I mean, it was just really cool it was so cool what we were able to see we were able to walk the decks we were able to go downstairs and tour the inner ship of the little rock but again we couldn't get into the sullivans because of the damage but there was a lot to do on deck too which was cool the sullivans was actually named after and you guys can look this up too it was named after five brothers that served in world war ii And their only thing that they wanted to do was serve together. And there was a rule in the Navy that brothers and sisters can't serve all in the same vessel. You might be able to do it during training, but you can't do it during combat. Because the Sullivans were on a ship called the Juno, I believe. Yes. And... Let's just say all five Sullivans perished. They did. So I think things have changed since then. Were there? Because could you imagine being the officer who had to call that mother and say all five of your sons are gone? No, you show up at the door for that. Yeah, you totally show up to the door for that. And well, she commissioned the Sullivans. So there's this tradition of her and her granddaughter, and then her great granddaughter who are all, you know, very involved now in keeping all this history alive. Didn't he say, or didn't I hear, or did I just imagine this, that the Sullivan family owns at least that ship? Do they own it? I believe so. Okay. 
I believe that's what I remember. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But I believe they own at least that ship. So after lunch, Which we... was lovely and fabulous. And, you know, he actually took us from the ships up to the restaurant. And then they sat us down and served us, you know, obviously. That was great. And then we went back to the gift shop and they had already had somebody walk with us over to the boat place where we could then board the ship. Need our boat, yeah. Which was really cool because, again, it was literally across the bridge. We literally walked across the bridge. I thought, man, I'm going to feel bad for her having to, like, leave her post, do what she's got to do, and walk across the bridge. And it literally took us, like, three minutes. <laughs> it was kind of funny, actually. Yeah, three minutes. So Sat we there, get- we were waiting for our boat. Yeah, well, we were approaching the ticket counter. and He's a little in front of me. Right. So the woman at the ticket counter says, you must be the Novas. He's a little surprised. Like, okay, well, how did they know that he we He forgot must- that his wife is brilliant. Yeah. And what did you do? Your comment field, they knew exactly what to look for, who to look for. And they boarded, you know, the captain actually boarded us onto his ship and or his boat it wasn't really a ship it was a boat a little boat that went down the buffalo river and we got to listen to a narrator or another docid that knew all his little stories and stuff about the buffalo river and all this commerce in the city and it was an hour and a half i mean it was great yes it was they had a bar you know, so you could go get drinks. Or in our case, the bartender came to us. I mean, I'm telling y'all, it was like being royalty or something. We're not used to this kind of treatment. So the bartender says, well, what would you like to drink? And we're just like, We're like, know. we're being lightweights today. It's a hot day. I'm not going to drink. <laughs> so, so I got a Coke. And got a ginger ale. you got a ginger ale. It's four bucks for both, which wasn't bad. No. And so as we're going down the river... My Coke can decides to fly off the table. <laughs> so we don't know where the Coke can went. It was empty, but there was so much wind at the time. And we kept hearing it and hearing it, but we couldn't find it. We're just like, okay, well, we'll get it when we, when leave. we leave. So I think what happened is that there was enough wind at the Coke can. And I'm speculating at this point, because after this happened, I never heard the Coke can again. So I think what happened was the Coke can disengaged itself and went rolling down across the boat. And I think somebody else picked it up and discarded it because in the middle of the Dozit's presentation, he goes, thank you. <laughs> so yeah, I, be- I always assumed that was your Coke can. I believe that's what it was. Yes. <laughs> but, you know, we got but to we hear- told the captain. <laughs> yeah, we did tell the captain. He says, OK, that's fine. But then we got to hear all about the grain elevators and the grain industry of the turn of the century and how Buffalo was really this little village. And in order to. It became huge. It became a harbor. And it was either a harbor between Buffalo and Black Rock. Now, Black Rock is a neighborhood in Buffalo. Black Rock at the time was not a neighborhood in Buffalo, it was its own little village, if you will. So that was kind of fun to know. I mean, I grew up there, so, you know. Yeah. You learn all kinds of stuff. And because it's a narrated tour, you're not really missing out on too much. Yeah, of course, you can't watch the scenery fly by, but you get all the audio. And actually, when we came up on board, the captain passed us over to the docent. So we met the docent. Right. And he's like, I'm going to find y'all a really good place to sit. <laughs> and he did, too. He did. And he goes, could you hear me? It's like, yep, you were fine. Because he was up on the upper deck, and then he came down to the lower deck. But yeah, he was walking around some. He had a, I would assume, wireless microphone. Mm-hmm. 
So it was very, very fun. So we got to do our fourth thing, which we wouldn't have gotten to do had you not looked. Looked. And then I booked it. And right. off we went. I'm like, 400 feet? Really? It just made us laugh. We yeah. couldn't believe it. We're like, we would be stupid not to do this. Not to And it turns try. out that the other boat place that we eventually want to try as well, they're right there too. They're yes. not that close, but they're like within walking distance close. Right. Right. They're just on another street right there downtown. So it was incredibly fun. The whole day was just incredibly fun. Then on Wednesday, we took a trip to the Buffalo History Museum. We did. And our guide is actually also the same person who does the podcast. <laughs> so he said, I could not give you all a tour when you said you listen to the podcast. So it was just great. Now, there's not as much interactive stuff that you can do there, of course. But we knew we listened to him for a year. And, you know, so we knew kind of how he told stories. And he's a tremendous storyteller. Of course, he's a historian. So he loves this stuff and he's passionate about it. And so I was able to go into an exhibit I really wanted to go to that they were actually going to take down the Monday after. So that worked out well. And then we went to another permanent exhibit. And those were the main places where we spent our time. But we can absolutely go back and do it again, you know, maybe in a year and see what's going on. But what's cool, I'll just say this here, about doing this kind of stuff is you make connections. People get to know you. And as a result of that, you build contacts. So if you ever want to do something fun again, particularly if you're doing stuff locally, and they had a good experience with you and you had a good experience with them, you can talk to them again. Say, hey, we want to come back. And they all actually encourage us to do that. Yes. So, I mean, of course they want you to come back and spend money at their place. Yes. But I think we had really just genuinely good experiences with everybody. So what were some of the things that were in the Buffalo Historical Museum, Buffalo History Museum? One of the really interesting things that we didn't get to see, but he was telling us about stuff that they had that wasn't on display. One of the things that they have in the museum is a tiny piece of Grover Cleveland's wedding cake. I think that actually was displayed. I don't think it was there. Oh, was I know, it there? Or they that, rotate it. Okay, yeah, I know they, they, they rotate. I didn't know if it was there it. then. Yeah. Right. Because a lot of stuff, like with any exhibits anywhere, you know, lots of stuff gets rotated so that stuff can be seen. And then, as we learned later at the Science Museum, you know, some stuff is just way too delicate to stay on display. So they take right. it away. <laughs> it yes. goes upstairs. Yes. But, you know, it's kind of like that anywhere. Some stuff you're going to just keep and treasure and take care of, and some stuff you can display. But it's an honest-to-goodness piece of one of his groom's cakes. A hundred and... What do we say? 37? 37 years ago or something? <laughs> something like the really close. 136, 137 years ago. That was fun. That was cool. There were things from the first episode where they hung the... What are they? Thayer Brothers? Thayer Brothers. Thayer Brothers, yes. And we're going to link to the podcast, guys, because anyone interested in... Really interested in American history, but especially interested in the history of Western New York... Check this out. It's a very cool podcast. It is. So they had a planner, you know, or a flyer from the hanging. Mm -hmm. Come like here and do this. And that, yeah. yeah, a newspaper article. So they had that. They had a bunch of Native American headdresses. They yes. had a log cabin or long cabin. Long house. Long house. A replica of the long house. Yes, they mm -hmm. had that. They had a canoe. They took us all through the Pan Am expedition, which is what I wanted to see. There was an exhibit that I wanted to see. I didn't get to see it, technically. But, you know, because all the stuff is under glass, we really did not get a tactile experience at 
the history museum because nor everything... should you expect one. exactly doing something right. like this. You can't yeah. bend the you can only bend the rules so far, and in a history museum, don't expect to bend those rules at all because it's probably not going to happen. Right. If you're working with somebody and they like you and they have magic keys, they'll let you see as much as they can. But in general, that's not going to happen. I really, some of you will remember from our front porch episode, I really would have loved to have touched that beautiful purple wedding dress that Martha showed us on the tour, but there's no way. No way. No way. We were hearing today from one of the ladies in the science museum. She said some of the stuff that the people create are made out of wax. And she said, you try and, because she's a curator. And she said, you try and move this stuff, and you feel like if you breathe on it wrong, it's going to disintegrate in front of you. And she said, I'm always scared, like, trying to move some of this stuff and fix it. Some of these things that they had were, like, from the Civil War. They had weapons. They had swords. They had, you know, all these different artifacts there. And they move exhibits in and out. In fact, there's going to be a full exhibit on the Pan Am coming up fairly soon in the museum. Like, I didn't know that Edison was at the Pan Am, Thomas Edison. Oh, you didn't know? Mm-hmm. No, I did not know. I learned that the other day. There's a book I should recommend you that had a lot to do with the whole Edison-Tesla current debate. All kinds of interesting stuff. Yeah, we'll talk about that later. But yes, I mean, there's so much. Geronimo was at the Pan Am. Oh, was yes, the he Pan was. Am? He was. Just really amazing history. And it's really fun for me. Coming from somewhere else, he was laughing. He said, our history is better than yours because we told him that I was not from here, you know. And I said, you know, I'll concede. You've got amazing history around here. And, you know, just so much has happened. One of, the, very interesting. one of the things that I wanted to experience or just be around, which is going to sound morbid, but it is what it is. When I was listening to the podcast about the Pan Am that he did a couple years ago, he was talking about, oh, well, we have the gun that killed McKinley. And for those who don't know, forget what the guy's name was, but he basically walked up to McKinley when McKinley was at the Pan Am in 1901 and had a gun wrapped around a handkerchief in his hand to make it look like he had a bandaged up hand, like there was something wrong with his hand. So he gets up to McKinley and he shoots him. They not only have the gun that shot McKinley, they've got the shackles and ball and chain where they arrested this guy. And Kim could probably figure out in 2.2 seconds what his name was. Shulgaz, if I'm pronouncing it correctly. that's right. Almost Shulgaz. Leon Shulgaz. That's Maybe right. Maybe Leon, depending on, don't know enough about him to be able to tell you exactly, but I believe it's Shulgaz is the correct pronunciation. So they had the balls and chain that locked them up, and then they also had the handkerchief that he was holding with the hole in the display case as well. So they had all of that stuff just sitting there, and our guide, Anthony, did a really, really good job of you know, bringing up the stories and other stories that weren't in the podcast and things like that, that he was telling us. And that was really, really fun. I did tell him at one time, I said, you know, you really have to talk at one and a half speed because that's how I'm, I listen to you. And he got a good chuckle out of that. But it was really cool to be the recipient of somebody who you've listened to in a podcast yes. and you got to hear their voice and you got to say, oh, well, I think that happened to you and I once in a CSUN, when we were at CSUN, and we were in a cafeteria at lunch or something, and somebody goes, there's Kim and Chris. I'm like, oh, okay. That was weird. I've never forgotten that. It was very strange <laughs> to be on the other end of that. 
but it is it's very cool and you know to hear all these stories and by the time you leave your head is so full you're like oh my god what am i going to remember what am i not going to remember from the whole experience there's lots of stuff that we're talking about and there's lots of stuff that we're forgetting only a couple days later yeah exactly and some of it will come back to us some of it will float back in over time but you know it's just awesome and then we did a very different type of museum on friday we went to the buffalo museum of science right and that was fun that was super fun. It was a very different experience. It was very interactive. <laughs> it was so fun. And remember how I told you guys that we were passed from one person to another? Well, the person who kind of set us up, the person I talked to via email, he said, I'm going to send you to this other person, Maria. And then she's going to, you know, work with you and work with these other people. So Maria came down, met us, introduced us to Casey, who was our first guide. And she took us all the way across, like, the second floor, right? right. She's second floor. Yep. And she's very knowledgeable, very interesting, you know, and was telling us, oh, there was a lot of like fossils and, you know, just all sorts of really interesting things on that floor. Now, the disadvantage here is that it was a rainy day. The weather was crap. And so everybody else decided they want to go to the science museum, too. <laughs> so it was very loud. And because of the way we were doing it, I was standing closer to Casey and I had her elbow and Chris was standing behind me. So you missed out. You told me later, and I wish you would have told me at the time, on a few of the things that we were doing, especially in that second floor part. Because it was so echoey, it was so loud, it was so, you know, that I just couldn't, I couldn't hear what was going on, you know. I mean, I knew you guys were talking and I was trying to listen, but for me, maybe it was just the noise or the atmosphere of the kids or something. It might have been just distracting. I'm not Mm -hmm. sure. Yeah. For some reason. And it got better once we traveled through. We got to touch a lot of stuff. All kinds of stuff. They have models of lots of different things. Did you hear the story that she told about the egg, though? Yes. The egg story is very cool. So they had an egg that they thought the whole time was a model. That somebody had made the egg. And then they got a new person to kind of head that exhibit. And she went, no, this isn't a model. This is a real egg. So they'd had this egg. (laughs) They didn't know the whole time it was actually a real egg from thousands of years ago that they didn't know that they had that was real. They had x-rayed it. Yeah, they ended up x-raying it. And like, we're sending this for an x-ray. Yeah, and there was a little something in the egg still. Mm -hmm. But it was a fully full egg. No cracks, no nothing. It was a full egg. We obviously didn't get to touch that. Obviously not. What did she say that was? I'm trying to remember what that was. Oh, it was a bird. Was it the, no, was that the bird? I don't remember. Was that the bird? Was that the elephant bird? Yes. The egg? Yes, it was. Okay. So it turned out that there are other museums around the country that have parts of these elephant bird eggs, but this is the only one that they know of in the U.S. that's still intact all the way across. It's a full, complete egg. So she was very excited about her egg. You know, you really, if you're into science and history and things, you feed off of the enthusiasm of the people you're with and you just start talking and, you know, you're talking to your people, you know, (laughs) people who really love it and and you love it and you kind of all geek out on it. And it's super, super fun. So that was really fun. And so her name was Casey. When she finished with us on the second floor, she radioed for Jasmine, who took us through the third and fourth floors. Those were a lot of interactive things on how lift works as a kid or an adult. A kid in an adult's body, <laughs> you got to play with this stuff. There was yep. a wind tunnel that we went into. The wind into. tunnel was awesome. <laughs> there were different buttons that you would press. Okay, this is just a windstorm. This is a tropical storm. This, this is a hurricane. hurricane. This is a tornado. And you're standing there and you're getting these winds just blown at you. 
<laughs> and I could almost swear that the it was either the hurricane one or the tornado one moved me. It was very cool. The tornado was the biggest. Yes. The most wind. That must have been the one that moved me. I literally <laughs> moved. <laughs> it was very, very cool. There was one place where you were supposed to like put the balls in the tube and it was supposed to show you lift and I kept dropping them. I lost like two of them. <laughs> She's probably like, let me get her away from this exhibit. Right. <laughs> they're really, supposed to they do. They do. They float. They float. They float. My problem was I was letting go and they were floating away. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're supposed to. <laughs> I think. I don't know if you were supposed to. I'm not sure I understood the reason of the thing. Well, she, she kept she bringing kept, me new ones. She kept calling you Kate. So we're all. She kept calling me go. Kate. My name was Kate today, which is perfectly fine. I have a friend named Kate. It's all good. <laughs> But yeah, it was great. I mean, it was just, and then the whole fourth floor was all space. They had you know? different exhibits. They had, you know, where the little ones could pretend like they were on Mars. You know, they had backpacks that an astronaut would use. You know, some of this stuff is for the kids. It's for science. I don't believe they were authentic astronaut backpacks. No, 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 no. These are for the little kids to, exactly. to learn. And that's the whole beauty of a science museum. For those of you like us who haven't been in a million years <laughs> to a science museum, it's to teach the little kids who are going to grow up and end up ruling the country one of these days right. the importance of a lot of this stuff. So a lot of things had audio components or, you know, there was like sand. Oh, there was a mandala downstairs. Oh, that was super cool. I wish I would have made her take my picture next to the mandala, but it was very, very cool. Somebody had actually come in. Some Buddhists had come in and made this mandala. And yeah. that was really cool. That's like, one of whoa. the things we didn't do is get pictures. Yeah, I know. We didn't get any pictures. We have no pictures of any of this, you guys. What was the name of the shark? Megalodon. Megalodon. So they had a megalodon. Huge, enormous shark. Yep. And everybody was so personable. You know, people were really nice. Like, you weren't sure what they're going to think of you for like 30 or 60 seconds. And then, you know, people calm down. People get it. In about 30 seconds to a minute, you're good to go. <laughs> you're off and you're doing your thing. You know, I don't think anybody was uncomfortable. Everybody just kind of got it together and we were all off and going. I think while the science museum was the most interactive, the science museum was the one we actually spent the least amount of time in. It was pretty close to a tie between the science museum and the history museum. Not by much, though. Not by much. It was pretty much an hour and half, 40 minutes-ish with each of those. Well, the history museum, oh yeah, you're right, you're right. Mm -hmm. Okay, because the History Museum was about an hour and 45 minutes when we left. Yes. When we left for the Science Museum, we got there at 1030 and we were out by 12. Yep. So It was like 12.05 or something. Yeah. I still say it was the shortest, but it was the most really interactive, except for the ships, of course. Mm -hmm, of course. Of course. But it was totally fun. Like, some of the things in the Science Museum we're not actually going to do because they're designed for the little kids. Right. But... You know, some of the things you absolutely can do and you do. Oh, one of the really interesting, fun things kind of that ties it back is they did have a sub, which was really funny. Yes, they did. <laughs> I says, oh, we were on one on Monday. We just did this on Monday. <laughs> it was really funny going back to the boat tour when the docent says, yeah, there's the Sullivans and the Croker. And we're like, yeah, we were just there. <laughs> we just so, did this. I'm sure a lot of people just because it's so close. Everything is so close down there. And then we could have, to get home, we could have taken the subway, Buffalo Rapid Transit, but we didn't. We most definitely did not. Now, that brings us back to the Science Museum and our trip home, because this is an important service announcement. So what we would do, we'd take Lyft to the places all three times, 
and we would use Ira to call the lift just because it's easier. Not to say you can't. It's just easier because they can stay on with you and they can give you real-time progress updates of where that car is in relation to you. And if you know the names of the streets and they say the car's on Elmwood, you know exactly where that car is, which is really cool. And they make it easier to connect with the car. On Friday, when we were coming home from the Science Museum, we tried to call ira five or six times a couple times it just wouldn't connect this is 12 o'clock in the afternoon and the times that it did connect we got no audio feedback at all so we didn't know if they could hear us or we could hear them now i must say from let's go back oh about a year or so and we're talking about e-sims I was playing with eSIMs, and I have two eSIMs in one phone just because I want to. I just wanted to see how it worked to have two SIMs in one phone. So I thought, well, the one didn't have good coverage, so I turned the other one on, and it had good coverage. And then they both had good coverage. So it must have been the coverage when I was inside of the museum. That's no excuse because we were standing out there for 10 minutes or so, you know, before we actually made the connections to Ira. Eventually, I just aborted it, and we used the Lyft app to book our own ride, and I put a note that said we were visually impaired and the type of clothing that I for sure knew that I was wearing. So I let them know that, and that worked out good. But we are just kind of talking about the service and wondering if that's happened to anybody else where you're just you need them in a pinch or you need them to, you know, this is why you're paying this kind of money for this type of service. If it's happened to you and why, but I've seen for whatever reason, if I'm in my backyard and I'm on my own Wi-Fi, Ira will lock up and the router is on the other side of the wall. So there's no excuse there. Mm -hmm. If I want to work with Ira in my backyard, I need to turn off Wi-Fi, which is kind of weird, but it is what it is. (laughs) Yeah, we do like when we're not in a place with which we're familiar and that car comes. Number one, we want to be able to get to that car like immediately. So that's the advantage of having an agent there that says, okay, the car's off to your left. You got to walk down this curve or whatever and do blah, blah, blah. So that's the advantage of it. That's why we like it because you could have 50,000 cars pulling up at the same time. You don't know which one of those is your driver. Right. But it worked out. It worked yeah. out. Yeah, he actually yelled for us. He did. He was smart. And the one on Wednesday was really, really cute because we were just standing there waiting. And, you know, you have 10, 15 minutes sometimes, you know, for the car to get to you. And she's describing all the stuff. She she actually took a selfie for us, (laughs) which was funny. It's the only picture we have of our whole vacation. And it's like us downtown with like a tree between us with the blue sky. Not these historic battleships or destroyers. <laughs> us and... on the ship or me next to the mandala. No, it's us downtown next to a tree. <laughs> oh, well. We're too busy. We want to take in all the sights. We don't have time to take pictures, too. Oh, oh well. I thought about recording audio, but then I thought, no, I don't want to do that. So. so that was our vacation. Yeah, it was fun. It was interesting. And was we, great. we can go back. Absolutely. Yeah, I wouldn't mind doing all those things again in the next five years or so. I definitely want to join some newsletters because the Science Museum has all kinds of interesting things. There's a behind-the-scenes tour that we would consider doing because it'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, we found out about that on accident. Yeah. 
they're actually going through the tour. The person we were with at the time was like, can they go on this tour? He's like, nope, got to sign up for it. <laughs> oh, well. I should have said, oh, here's my pen. Give me, <laughs> we can sign up for it now. But... <laughs> oh, well. Here's our debit card. <laughs> but... Oh, that's another thing. So you, you got your tickets. You booked them online. Two out of the three places that required tickets, or was it three out of the four places that required tickets? They all required some form of ticket. So three out of the four were online tickets, and the other place, the History Museum, you actually paid in cash, which was cool. Yeah, you probably could have paid in credit, too, but we just gave them the donation. Right. So the funny thing was is, you know, everything's about your cell phone these days. So what do you get in your email? You get your e-tickets. What do you do with your e-tickets? They scan them off of your phone, so you mm. don't even have to have paper tickets. Mm. Although the boat ride, they did have paper tickets. So while they were purchased online, you had to show up to the ticket booth, and that's where she said, oh, you guys must be the Novas, and she mm-hmm. came and gave us our tickets. Yeah, in the case of the Naval Park and the Science Museum, they just took our phone. It was like, whoop, whoop. Hand a ticket, hand the phone back. <laughs> What I did was I turned off voiceover before handing the Very phone smart. over. Very smart. Yes. Right. So I turned off voiceover. I had it. I had the tickets visible on the screen, but you never know if they're supposed to scroll something or what have you, because there were two tickets. And so I turned off, I toggled off voiceover real quick. They did their thing. They handed the phone back. I toggled voiceover back on and everybody was happy. So we just wanted to bring you guys on our little adventure. I'm yes. sure that there's much more that we are forgetting but definitely but the moral of the story isn't even necessarily to enjoy our vacation story although i hope you do the moral of the story is if there are cool places in your area that you've never been go go just plan ahead please plan ahead especially if you're going by yourself oh let's go back to the science museum for a second okay so they had this table that was a map of the area. Oh, this was cool, right? It was a tactile map. Yes. She's like, oh, here's Buffalo. Here's Canada. Here's Fort Erie. Here's Allegheny County. Here's, here's the falls. all these mountains. Here's, yeah. Yeah. Here's all the lakes. Wild. It, it was, was very cool. Yeah. Here's Grand Island. You're like, oh, that Grand Island really is an island. It is. It's an island. It's kind of like, if you guys have played with the globes, with the actual tactile stuff, it's a little like that. You can just mm. kind of tell where things are. But Except it was this huge. Wasn't a, yeah, it was huge, and it was just a map, so it wasn't a globe. But same kind of thing applies. You know, the little islands will stick out into the water, and the water isn't tactile. And, you know, it's just very cool. Very fun. So, All right. Well, we shall see you guys in a couple of weeks. Bye. Bye. The preceding podcast is a presentation of Mystic Access, where the magic is in learning. If you are blind or visually impaired and wish to experience less stress and more fun on your unique assistive technology journey, our comprehensive audio documentation and additional offerings are here to support you. We welcome your visit at mysticaccess.com. That's M-Y-S-T-I-C-A-C-C-E-S-S dot com. Have a question or wish to place an order via phone? Call us at 716 543 3323. If you have comments to share about this episode, follow our phone menu prompts to reach our Mystic Access podcast comment line. Email us at info at mysticaccess.com and connect with us on social media. 
Mastodon, mysticaccess.online, and facebook.com slash mysticaccessempower. Would you like to spread the word about our podcasts? Anyone may explore our extensive archives and subscribe to receive our bi-weekly episodes at mysticaccesspodcast.com. If you enjoy our content, please consider rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. Thanks for spreading the word and for being a listener. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Thank you.